Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Fables Around the Table. Uh, this is our retrospective episode for Brass, where we have played Rebels of the Outlaw Waste, uh, written by Michael Addison and Banana Chan, published by Nerdy Pup Games. Um, we're here to talk about the season and the game and all the fun we had. Um, is everybody excited to do that? Yeah. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. Um, this game was surprisingly well i'm not gonna say surprisingly because i i've played <laughs> michael's other games and i've loved all of them but um i think for me after play like doing workborg for so long <laughs> uh playing this game that like wants you to have like this fun that really comes from just like the glee of being over the top and not like <laughs> dredging in the details of gruddy gritty like death and gore and stuff this this was really refreshing. I was really happy to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, that's fair, because the last couple of things I've done are like Call of Cthulhu, like super serious. And, you know, so so being able to have fun and just goof around is always I'm I'm so good at it. I love it. Like, <laughs> I would rather do that most of the time. Uh-huh. And I, I'm always surprised by by this too when I'm going back and editing the episodes. Um, I think how much fun we had playing this one was like the lifeblood of it. Like I don't think there was any moment mm -hmm. where we were not like hold, either holding back laughter or like really planning on like what next goofy thing we yeah. were gonna do. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah, I feel like we nailed the. I feel like when one of us came up with some bit, we all just like instantly kind of ran with it. <laughs> and it worked pretty organically. God, nothing will mm -hmm. be funnier than in episode two, both both Shelly and Wilder being like, oh no, I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Oh, it was Tobias like... is the only one who can read. Tobias is the only one who can drive somehow. <laughs> oh, goodness. It was so good. <laughs> Tobias is the glue that holds us together. I didn't sign up for any of this. Yeah. Listen, Nick wanted to play the smart guy character. Yeah, so it's on him. Do all that. <laughs> well, I I'm just thinking about how chaotic it would have been had I stuck with my original character concept, which was basically just going to be Junkrat from Overwatch. Um, and I think it would have been a completely different story. Oh, good <laughs> lord! Yeah, if it was Shelly Wilder and basically uh, a Junkrat slash Warboy from Fury Road, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it'd have been true chaos. Oh lord, yeah, it would have been very fun. <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> no, I think it's always nice to have that like. Not that not that you were like completely the straight person, but like it's kind of nice to have that like you know semi serious sort of role that the others can kind of bounce off of. Yeah, yeah, you need that. Uh, just that like point of contrast. <laughs> um, did we have any questions about how we like designed our characters and like character concept? Because that seems like a pretty natural segue. Yeah. Um, did you have any sort of like exper or, um, inspiration from the kind of post-apocalyptic kind of setting we made? Or like, did you bring anything steampunk into your character since we sort of decided that early on or anything like that? Mm -hmm. um, I think I can go with that first. Um, my character, I am a huge Tank Girl fan. Like, 
I loved the movie, even though it was like completely not what the comic books are, but I also love the comic books as well. And, um, I mean, Shelley was like almost completely based off of the Rippers in, uh, in Tank Girl, just this weird mutant, you know, like not really human, but human enough to like connect with people so and and just you know didn't fully understand like what the rules of society were so it was that was where i got like the outlaw kind of like uh post-apocalyptic vibe from yeah i think with um wilder i kind of started at the look um because look is sort of like a function in this game so as i was like making the character i saw that sort of like uh junkyard style and then i was like okay well you know she has this like armor and she's gonna be sort of like a very physical fightery type of character and uh oh for fun let's do like a mask and stuff and then i realized i was making the mandalorian (laughs) and and i was like well we're just gonna go with it that like sort of fits the the setting here and i had intended on her being um this sort of like very stoic serious character um sort of you know part of that was part of me realizing i was just making like the mandalorian (laughs) uh she's going to be very much like she is focused on the mission and you know that's like what it is but with um shelly also being like this gunslinging pretty physical character i wanted to play off of that but also differentiate myself somehow um so that's where we ended up going the direction of like the hot shot where she's like constantly in competition with Shelly but also like <laughs> fucking up along the way and sometimes <laughs> getting some like cool successes and that made her like a lot goofier and a lot less focused uh, well she's still like very focused on the mission but in a sort of like funnier lighter kind of way yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, with Tobias, like, well, like I said, like I originally was, you know, thinking of doing a completely different character concept, and it was when we kind of landed on um, the steampunk vibe that I decided to change because, like, while I could have done my original plan, because like we're not like we weren't like hardly defined in the like steampunk space, it was still like you know this a little bit mishmash of genre um i felt like i couldn't do like a steam in a steampunk setting and uh not do like lean hard into like a steampunk character you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so um doing like that like posh steampunk professor um you know and using like the uh the robot you know options in the game um just felt like a no-brainer and it was a lot of fun to play. Yeah, you definitely leaned much more into the steampunk, I think, than uh, than Fiona or I did, which mm-hmm. which yeah. worked. Like it helped. Yeah. I think it helped kind of bring yeah. bring it together. Which was the other cool thing was just how like in that first when when Chelsea was like described the uh, you know like the highs or you know like the the beginning scene like our escape. Um, all of the characters sort of just like fell into place really, really quickly. Like just from that scene, you could get a good idea of like what these characters were going to be, which I thought was really, really fun. Uh huh. Yeah. 
So Fiona said something that's sort of interesting that I'm still sort of thinking about. Um, that the the looks sort of like influence your character because what your character looks like is like a mechanic in this game. Um, and I think that's really cool. I know um, I especially because I sort of think about things a lot more visually, especially when I'm playing uh, tabletop games, how what my character looks like really influences how I'm going to play them. Uh, did you find having to think about what your character would physically look like in terms of how that would affect mechanically how you play the game, uh, like, feel any different or make you have any sort of different, um, like, thought processes around what your character was? Yeah, for sure. Going with um, cute. I mean, like, Cowboy was, was almost a given considering she was going to be a waste wanderer. Like, I knew that from the beginning. But when I settled on cute... And the, the frickin' Lisa Frank stickers. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it just, it added a, a level of, like, softness to the character that I didn't think was going to be there to begin with. And you didn't see it a lot, but, like, well, because we just didn't have time with right. only three episodes to really expand it. But you did get to see those, like, softer kind of... Uh, moments with Shelly and I think the the cute factor really sort of played into that like gave her a little bit of like emotional heft mm-hmm. yeah I thought that that was like a super cool mechanic that that would help you so much because at least for me um, it is kind of something I think about like what my character looks like and how that you know sort of signals where she will fit into the world Um so then, you know, I, I already sort of talked about using that as kind of like the building block of the direction that I took the character. Um, but it really does influence more than I like thought it would, I guess, because I ended up, I think, going with Junkyard and, and also Cowboy. Um, and I'm not really like a steampunk like person um i don't like you know i don't engage with steampunk super a lot but i think that the aesthetic's like pretty cool um so that also helped me sort of find my niche of like where i would be comfortable what media i was like familiar with and let that sort of like um draw in you know what i would know into the character and then uh use it to sort of like manipulate the world around her mm-hmm yeah, um, it is a super cool mechanic because it does make you think about things a little bit. Like, how how did the fact that I'm a, a cowboy or whatever, um, as like part of your look, like how can that help me in this situation? So you kind of think outside the box a little bit. Um, I did kind of go and do this part uh, reverse in for Tobias because I created my own looks because none of the ones uh, in the book were really quite fitting what I was already thinking about going for. With the character, um, but it says like right in the book you can create your own. So that's when I went um, with uh, steampunk for one to kind of again really lean into the that element of the world, um, and then professor uh, to kind of reinforce the idea that like he was knowledgeable and uh, uh, posh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so, but it was it was cool to and then think about those things uh, in the in the you know, playing of the game. Uh, how do these things actually help me in this situation? And I really enjoyed the mechanic. 
Well, yeah. Look is such an important thing for like post-apocalyptic too, right? Like if you think of uh-huh. Mad Max, like you can tell yeah. who the bad guys are and who the good guys are by what they're wearing. You know, Tank Girl's the same way. Like everyone, you just look at any of the artwork on Tank Girl and you know immediately what's going on. Like this is going to be super lol random weirdness. So I think that's just like a great mechanic to get you into the field of like, this is what this game is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of, I think, my favorite things that came up a lot, especially with um, you, Nick, in particular, um, was making you explain why you thought your look would help you in a situation. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, for me, as long as you gave like an answer, I, I pretty much said yes, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but... I like that it sort of, like, inspires you to think about that, because I feel like a lot of the times, you know, you can make this really cool character that's got, like, a super special badass sword, and they've got one wing, and they've got two different color eyes, but you, like, don't think about how that's, like, <laughs> affecting, like, those uh-huh. details, how how does the, those details, like, affect your character, actually? <laughs> how does, how does standard anime protag help me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I, 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 that that was something that stuck with me um, as I was like administering the game. That I, I really enjoyed it from a, from a GM perspective, ha- getting able to be, being able to ask those questions and knowing that uh, you are actually like thinking about it as you're trying to apply stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I think it would be really cool too. Like, I think it you could really easily make an anime port of this game too. Like, everything that works about it would work in sort of an anime style setting as well. Mm-hmm. Not to give Michael more ideas, I'm sure he's got plenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's sort of the cool thing of, about the sort of genres, like. You get to pick what genre you want to run in, even though it's all sort of like under this title of post-apocalyptic. Um, but I think that's why doing steampunk was really interesting for us. I I feel like that's not two styles that normally mesh together, but in this mm-hmm. situation, like worked really well. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I re- I really liked it, and I. <laughs> I'm looking back and I'm wishing I would have included more steampunk elements, but I feel like it was difficult in the time we had to mm-hmm. really explore that a lot. Yeah. Um, but sort of the one thing from steampunk that I did include, which works especially well with uh, post-apocalypse uh, literature and aesthetics and that kind of stuff, um, because I am the steampunk girl. <laughs> I, I I took a like a class on this in in college and, and that kind of stuff. Steampunk one hundred and one. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but sort of the thing about steampunk is that it's got this really like longing for the past, and so I really wanted to include that with people like really wanting this water that's now gone. So people miss how that used to be and seeing plants Mm -hmm. for the first time and what this sort of like magical thing was. And now that we don't have that, people really like long for this lush kind of whatever. Um, But I also really wanted to include that with the storyline with the, um, the, the music cylinder and um, Mm -hmm. learning about uh, Shelly and Tobias's past. 
That was really good. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I'm still thinking about I'm still thinking about it. It's been a couple of weeks and I'm like, ah, oh, so we're going to have to like do the rest of this story because I need to know. I need to know. Well, I, I also felt really, really funny when, when we, I was first thinking about what, what this plot was going to be. Um, and we sort of decided that we wanted to do like a tank girl water situation. It was like, okay, well, I can't just give them water. Like that would be too easy. <laughs> um, and so the first thought was, oh, okay, so they're looking for water, but what if it's like we subvert the expectations and it's not like bringing the water back isn't like actual like drinking water or whatever, but it's like making somebody cry. That's water from a body. And that's sort of like where I sort of like reached in and that's where the story came from. And the best part is like you didn't tell us that was your intention. You said uh-huh. like we'll bring water back, but you didn't. And then like at the end it was just like, what would Shelly Oh Shelly's done. Like this is Shelly is overwhelmed. We're we're done here. Like uh-huh. Yeah, yeah it's so good. It, it felt like a, a real big gamble on my part. Like, I, I trusted you guys to, to sort of pick up what I was putting down because you guys are all excellent, like, role players and picking up on that kind of stuff. But I remember sitting down with my roommate before coming up to run that game and being like, well, this is going to make or break it. This is either going to make everything <laughs> make sense or it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Chelsea, you know that that's a lie that I pick up on stuff. I never pick up on anything in games. I'm just doing stuff. It's not true. You rolled right into the can't read thing so well, like beautifully. Like <laughs> Tobias is going to have to teach both you to read if he ever or figures it out. Yeah, if or he ever drive. figures it out. <laughs> Tobias yeah, one of us needs to learn how to drive. Tobias is not better at driving than either of them. I want to make that clear. Bully him into it, (laughs) and also like just as bad. (laughs) But we're better at shooting the people down. So you have to drive. That's why he doesn't complain that much. He still does (laughs) that. He's just gonna complain. He. he, That's why he does it. He understands that part. (laughs) Can we talk about like how much my dice just loved Shelly? Like, I was expecting to fail epically at the stupid thing she was doing, and nope, nope, just gonna roll four successes. Cool. That was, like, that was so fun, too, with the little, like, competition that, like, Wilder had with her. Shelly would do this, like, awesome thing, and then Wilder was like, oh, I want to do that, too, and, like, be, like, mediocre at best. Um, well, that's, that's another interesting thing, like, mechanically that this game does. Um, like, uh, lots of games we've played, even just on Fables, um, include rolling and then buying successes. Um, like, um, a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games sort of work in that situation. Rookwood did, did the buying successes thing. Um, do you think that in our more like actiony segments, so either like the 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 car chase at the end, or uh, breaking into the building, or even that brief fight with the uh, brass units at the beginning of episode three, did you find that being able to buy successes depending on your your roles versus just like straight like, well, I beat a sixteen, so I win. Um, do you find that made those segments like more creative like you could do more stuff or like was it more fun to have it that way 
I think so. I think it it did a really good job of uh, like incentivizing that narrative first t- type of play mm-hmm. where it's like your character can jump into action with the intent to do a thing. And then based on how many successes or not they get depends on like how that like plays out in like a cinematic way, you know, where um, you like when Tobias like was trying to like drop water or drop like the um, the thing on the, you know, enemy robots. Right. Uh, you know h- how that played out you know, could have gone a ton of different ways based on like how many successes or not I was able to get, you know? So it like opens it up for the narrative to take a little, you know, a couple different routes in just that moment. Um, so I think it's, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. <story> short. <laughs> I, I think in like, especially sort of like an adventure story, like we were doing here, um, it can be really cool to have that like Rube Goldberg effect almost where yeah. it's like, okay, I succeed and also I learn something new, but I get this blowback and this thing happens. Right. And like it sort of sets the playing field. So like I think that a lot of players really do like they're just like, oh, you roll a D20 and it's a 16, so you succeed and like it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like cool and fine. Like, you know, that's all good. Uh, but I think that it does like – it sets it up in a way where you like feel when you roll well and feel the success and also like sort of like fails forward at times without feeling like you just sort of have your like cool moment taken away from you, especially because it gives that player so much agency to like choose the things that happen. So even when you do get blowback, it doesn't feel like, Oh, I just sort of like got screwed out of something. You're like choosing to, you know, um, like you're choosing the set pieces that you want to like move around to tell the story and have it progress. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think too, like I have strayed so far away from crunchy games. Um, you know, as I've, <clears throat> as I've played, like, you know, I was around like almost every game when I started playing RPGs, which was a while ago. Um, <laughs> we're, we're just very crunchy. And very, like, you know, well, this is the way we, you know, they almost took pride in, like, how complex they were. And they do feel very, like, rigid in the results. So one of the things I really, really liked about this one is, like, we were able, especially, so Wilder and Shelly were very much able to show how kind of, like, wild and reckless they were by never taking the blowback you know, no blowbacks. Whereas Tobias (laughs) definitely was a little more cautious and made sure like he took the, didn't take any blowbacks. So I like that system of like, you know, you could see how like Shelly and Wilder just did not give a fuck. Um, But Tobias, you know, was like, man, we're going to, we're going to hold off on, on getting beaten up. Uh, Yeah. Um, something I liked about that from the GM's perspective is even in the the few times that anyone didn't roll any successes, um, it wasn't like I got to sit here and be like, okay, so you don't do it and then move on to the next person so that this this mm-hmm. character who tried to do something is just sort of like standing there looking at their hands like, oops, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's honestly the hallmark, too, of a good GM, like. You know, being able to know how to turn failures into narrative mm-hmm. interest 
right? Uh-huh. Which is very yeah. much the pulpy, mm-hmm. which is also very much like the pulpy kind of feel of this game too. Like, you know, the characters get to do something and then something disastrously stupid happens is, is Indiana Jones and, and right. the Green Hornet and, you know, all of those like pulp game or pulp uh, radio fictions and movies and such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every, every action success or fail, you know, moves the story forward, you yeah. know, cause it's like, it's not just like, I try to do the thing and I, you know, I miss and then we move on. It's like, okay, you did try to do the thing, but you'll take blowback, you know, for this and like, you know, and then the narrative keeps going and now we have to deal with that moving forward. Yeah. Um, it's not 20 minutes of players trying to pick a door lock. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why pick a door lock when you can just blow through the wall or try and saw through <laughs> yeah. a brick for 20 minutes? Saw <laughs> through a brick, yes. <laughs> um, well, that sort of leads into a question that um, our good friend Nathan asked us. Um, what part of the system did you feel like advanced the narrative in the game the most, and what parts of it do you think were working against the narrative? Hmm. I really don't know if there was anything I felt like was working against the narrative in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't know if, if that's the case that we were sort of like moving fast enough and we were all sort of on the same page rolling forward where it was almost like nothing could stop us keeping from keeping going. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So like one criticism I have um, of the powered by the apocalypse games, and I know it's anathema to powered by the apocalypse fans to say anything negative about the system. Um, <laughs> they're not as rabid as Pathfinder, but it's kind of close. Um, <laughs> is that sometimes the way the 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 way powered by the apocalypse is set up, sometimes a role will throw things so out of out of kilter of kind of how the game was going that like it can take you out of the narrative a little bit like you know just there's just some options for rolling especially when you fail that are like oh this doesn't feel organic in how it flows and i don't think there was anything in this game that like when we either succeeded really well or failed really well that fell kind of out of the story that we were telling like everything flowed really really well together Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean with that, I think. And this one I don't believe was, like, strictly speaking, powered by the apocalypse, but was that in that, definitely in that style and in that, like, you know, with D6s and stuff. Um, yeah, I feel like with Powered by the Apocalypse, like you were saying, sometimes, like, the roles especially will be, you know, because it's like, oh, like, the thing you're doing triggers that role, and you can, like... You know, I'm I'm just thinking of a couple times I've had it where like a character will give this like really like wonderful like speech or whatever, and that'll like trigger a roll, and that roll really bad. It's just like oh, doesn't do anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. There's <laughs> there's things as a GM that you can do to sort of like you know try to help out with that. Um, and I don't think that we really ran into that with this game, and part of that was it was a little bit more action focused. Mm-hmm. Um, the roles we were making were 
very based in like a physicality that I think a lot of powered by the apocalypse games really don't do. So when it's like, okay, we're standing in front of a brick wall, let's try to blow it up. Right. That, you know, feels a lot more like, yeah, you should make a roll. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, please, listeners, please don't come at me about, I love powered <laughs> by the apocalypse games. I love them. Like masks is so much fun. I finally got to play that and I loved it. Like I do love powered by the apocalypse. Um, but every system has weird little kinks. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I really liked about this system was the, uh, just like how, uh, car chases are done. Yeah. Um, super like fun. the, yeah. Like specifically like, and, and like for those that were just listening, um, uh, and haven't like actually looked at, uh, rebels of the outlaw waste, which you absolutely should. Um, there are the, the zones of your car chase so that like, you know, they can be leading you where they're the zone ahead or uh, piecing you so they to either side or trailing or in the dust all the way back. And just having that as like a simple indication of the space, like allowed me to visualize the super badass, like yeah. Mad Max Fury Road, like composition of this high speed fight. Uh-huh. You know, with people jumping across to other vehicles and like, you know, all that fun stuff. So I really yeah. like the way it was laid out and described in the terms for the different zones and all that stuff. It's and fun. I'm genuinely not like a tabletop miniatures and everything kind of player when I or GM when I play um on the you know on tabletop like i really like theater of the mind kind of stuff but if i played this in person i would definitely get some like some cars and put them on the table and or like motorcycles or whatever like the actual things to kind of show i think that would be really neat visual effect mm-hmm. um, by the way you can come at me guys about pathfinder i'll fight you on that it's not a great <laughs> game <laughs> oh, man. Maeve got on everyone's good side with Shelly, and now she's like <laughs> trying to start shit. Violence! I crave violence, mother. <laughs> We're going through a whole character arc. <laughs> it's my villain story. Um, I I really loved the the car sequence we did. That was sort of like what I wanted the big set piece of the show to be. Um, and I thought it was it was it was really so much fun. Did you, did you guys have a favorite like set piece at all during the the show? I'm with you. That the the car chase was Oh, uh, the, the best. car chase was mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> I was I was really nervous. I am not somebody who runs combat very often. Um if I'm if listeners you've listened to she you would know that the the whole like three <laughs> three combats we had in the mork board game i ran <laughs> um but i i saw the rules for the the car chase and it was just like oh this is this is what we gotta do <laughs> Oop, my computer's doing stuff ignore that <laughs> yeah i really <laughs> i really enjoyed the car chase um especially because like the two times our characters went in cars were like the times that like Shelly's dice just went nuts. Uh-huh. So she got to do all the silly like, you know, thematic like jumping off of the car and like jumping on the motorcycle and all of the like just absolute insanity that is the action movie car chase. So I was very happy with that. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, th- there are so many, like, big moments that I sort of remember that... The car chase was one that, like, I knew I wanted to have happen. But there are so many, like, big moments I remember that, like, weren't even my fault. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love... I love not being able to read and then having, like, pretending every time they approach a door. <laughs> like, they know what the room says, even though they look to Tobias be like, so yeah, this room, am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I loved, at the very end of episode one, the wall exploding and the three of you pouring into <laughs> the lab in this tsunami of sand. <laughs> Yeah, that was probably my second favorite moment, that one. That was very funny. Oh, it was so funny. (laughs) I've mentioned it before, too, but I really liked that opening sequence as well, because it just set up, it it, it set up the show perfectly. Like, this is Mm -hmm. what it's going to be. These are who these characters are. Um, And just, like, the interactions between the characters that felt, like, just so organic were were absolutely like every every interaction between the three of us was just just fit which i thought was really really fun uh-huh mm-hmm. um well uh fiona do you want to uh tell our listeners about our next season <sighs> sure it's my favorite part so excited <laughs> of our retrospectives uh talking about the next season um so the next season that we have is uh kids on bikes nice. which i am very very excited about and has been in the works for a very long time but just because of how we rearrange the schedule constantly uh hasn't come up yet um but yeah, it's called oh shit, what was the name that we decided on? We changed it like forty five times. Um, it's called uh Greetings from Hell. Yes. <laughs> because we are set in Hell, Michigan, thanks to Cliff. <laughs> um, speaking of Cliff <laughs> Speaking of Cliff, my players will be um Cliff, who's uh, been on several fable seasons, Roger um caitlin annie all of them have been on fable seasons but we also have a new player named m um all of them are playing uh teens in hell michigan going on adventures and uh, there's also a little bit of a mystery with a uh a pop idol who has gone missing in their little town and uh yeah that's all safe for now but I'm super excited for everyone to listen. Everyone's so good. Yeah, I, I'm excited too. <laughs> what little bits I've, I've peeked through to edit so far have been spectacular. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's, so many it's been of my favorite fun. people too. This is me excited. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to follow uh, follow the production of it. So I'm really excited for it to come out and people to hear it. Yeah, Nick is uh, Nick is sort of like in the producer's seat for it. Ooh. I'm running it. I don't think I even said that that I was, that I was running it. Um, <laughs> so I don't feel as bad that I forgot to mention Nick. Uh, so I'm running it. Nick was helping me with the story. Mm-hmm. Tom has helped in uh, various aspects here and there. Chelsea's editing it. Um, so really like a very collaborative season mm-hmm. uh, for many different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm so excited for people to listen. It's so, so good. It's super funny. And uh, yeah. 
It's gonna be a good one. I can't believe we're on epi- or, uh, I can't believe we're on season eleven already. Jesus. Like, yeah, season eleven. Where has the time Holy gone? Shit. Yeah, we <laughs> came out uh, June seventeenth, twenty twenty, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we're recording this in November of twenty twenty two, and uh, kids will start going up in like December. Uh, yeah, right. that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope if uh, if you if you're new to the show that you'll stick with us another season and listen to some kids on bikes action. Uh, I do know that kids on bikes did just have a Kickstarter for the second edition that happened after we had already started, so we're playing with the first edition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we sign off for on brass forever, let's do those plugs. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Uh, who would like to introduce themselves and plug whatever they would like to plug? <laughs> Everyone all at once. <laughs> <laughs> Let everybody parse the chaos. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just um, yell. I guess, I guess I'll jump in, bite the bullet, and go first. Um, you guys probably know who I am by now. Uh, <laughs> I'm Nick Yurceva. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore Yurceva. I'm involved with everything here in Derailed. Um, but, uh, I mostly run, uh, Tales of the Voidfarer, our D&D 5e Spelljammer podcast that's been going for a while now. Um, and, uh, the next chapter of which comes out in January. And I'm also on Cape Chronicles. (laughs) I'm the dinosaur. (laughs) You're the dinosaur, yes. I'll I'll go next, I guess. I am the new girl, which is funny because I do have like Zoe Deschanel bangs right now. Um, (laughs) But I I am the new girl. I am uh, Maeve Fox. Um, You can catch me on Third Floor Wars. Um, They do a lot of really cool um, role-playing streaming and then... Uh, Craig, who runs the the site, also does uh, podcasts where he interviews a lot of like the RPG designers and writers and artists and all of that stuff. So it's really really cool to listen to, and it's great to be part of that crew and get the difference between like running a podcast and running a sh- and being on a stream and that sort of thing. Um, but you can. Find me on Twitter for as long as that lasts. This might actually be anachronistic by the time it comes yeah. out. Um, at jfox1180. Um, mostly I'll just be plugging things that I do. Um, and in late January, early February, my own podcast will come out. Um, and that will be Foxtail Games, T-A-L-E, Please do not look up T-A-I-L. You won't like it. Um, (laughs) Or maybe you will. There's no kink shaming in this group. Um, But we will be doing um, Curse of the House of Rookwood, actually, as our first game. And I'm super excited to get that started, too. All right. I think it's my turn. Um, My name is Fiona. I uh, sort of run this show kind of in some ways. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, of course, it's done with uh, lots of other people. Chelsea is like so involved with it. Um, you know, Nick is very involved. Maeve is on this season and is hopefully doing more things in the future, maybe. Um, I am also on Tales of the Void Fair and Cape Chronicles. Uh, those are two other actual play podcasts. And, uh, 
Yeah, maybe stuff in the works for 2023. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, that's who I am. <laughs> um, and if you don't know me, where have you been? <laughs> uh, I'm Chelsea Rexinger. Um, I've run the last three fables. I do lots of art stuff for Derailed. I do lots of editing stuff for Derailed. Um, I manage uh, the Discord. Um, come join our Discord. We have lots of fun. We play games. Um, and when I'm not doing derailed stuff, I am co-owner of a candle shop, which you have heard lots about the past year during the mid-roll. Um, if you like candles and you like tabletop games, especially your characters, you can find us on etsy.com slash shop slash plot kindling candles, and you can start the cross- the process of making your own, uh, player-inspired candle today. Um... Get in early before the uh, holiday rush really gets taken off. Uh, we'll need time to, to pour all your candles. <laughs> um, other derailed plugs. We have a website, projectderailed.com. You can find out uh, more about our shows there. Um, and you can find all our special links uh, to our Patreon. You can support us on Patreon for $5 a month. You get access to extended retrospectives, like the extra parts I'm going to cut out of this one. Um, you get some extra content. You get a whole bonus podcast where uh, Nick, Tom, Fiona, and I just kind of talk about our months and what we're working on and what's in the news and all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of like a time where we all get to hang out together. Yeah. We talk about soda. <laughs> we talk about soda, soda, Scooby Doo, Midwestern, <laughs> uh, like Midwesternisms in general. Oh, uh, I, I, I do like the the Chelsea has never heard of this thing segment. <laughs> yeah, so me, Tom, and Fiona just animatedly describe some weird, you know, Ohio some specific weird Ohio thing. thing. <laughs> Chelsea's like, what the actual fuck? Um, but it's a lot of fun. We sit down and we laugh for an hour. It's super, it's it's fun. Uh-huh. People seem to like listening to it. Um, if you can't support us on Patreon, the another way you can support us is by finding our podcast on Spotify and Apple Music, giving us a review and a star rating. That really helps us so that people can find us. So now that we're done with our barrage of plugs... Um, thank you for listening to this season of Fables Around the Table. Brass was so fun to do. Um, go support, uh, Nerdy Pup Games, uh, for, for making this game and other fine tabletop RPGs. Um, and we'll see you in hell! (laughs) (laughs) Bye! Breaking news! Increased sightings of a mysterious graffiti symbol have residents of Hell, Michigan nervous. While some may say this could be from local teen pranksters, others worry that the symbols could mean something more. Could there be a connection to the teen pop idol Ricky Q who disappeared in Hell last year? More information after the break. Then she would also ask if you saw the latest. He thinks that some sort of like power is being drained. Oh God, it's even at Jesus Christ. You you still pass the couple places where you have seen these symbols. Uh, breaking in? She gives him like a sideways glance. To follow this story and more, check out Fables Around the Table, Greetings from Hell, wherever you get your podcasts.
Why do you want to be a hero? Yeah, she's gonna sort of like uh, drop down out of the sky and try to kick him like, you know, square in the chest. Look, I don't know what you're fucking trying to do here, but I don't make deals with enemies who put grenades in a box like they're the $5 movie bin. Release Miss Terry, or you all will be the ones that are extinct. I don't know if I can have an honest conversation with Royale as a corgi. You're right, it's fucking not funny. I mean, literally no one would find this funny. Remix, use the dragon filter that would make it funny. It's just like man standing emoji. Just T-posing in the corner. <laughs> Who is your contact? Benchmark. Who? Hey, I just need Buzz Nest for like one minute, and then you guys can go back to whatever you were doing. Check out Season 2 of Cape Chronicles starting Wednesday, October 5th, every first and third Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. File folders contain important information. Hey, I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And our podcast is It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Hey, what's that podcast about, Ev? So, do you know of a band called Bare Naked Ladies? One week. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Did you ever want to learn more about them? Or... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, then this is the podcast for you because we teach you nothing with various guests. Yeah, like uh, like Matt Besser. Holy we shit. climbed in a second-story window and partied in this house where we barely didn't know at all the people that was crazy holy fuck mike mitchell why well, I, I don't know how how like how much you guys really do love bare naked ladies justin mcelroy grab your tongue grab your tongue and i want you to say Our born tongue. on a pirate ship Bum on the pilot ship. you were born on a pile of shit and many more so check it out but also if you don't like bare naked ladies we talk about them probably like a third of the time so. uh yes that's every Tuesday, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We can make a board game about it. Back on Toral, I was a nobody. I got teleported out here, and here I'm something. I'm somebody. The Voidfarer begins maneuvering towards this 200-meter-long space whale. The handle one of these, you need grit. Is that something you have? I'm a tiny little guy. Of course I got grit. If you tried anything, it would end very poorly for you. This illithid dreadnought warps away, accelerating to spell jamming speed as quickly as they arrive. Who the fuck? <laughs> what am I trying to say here, Ravnus? That we're crew. I like that. We're crew. That is a natural one. <sighs> you send yourself sailing out the side of the ship, untethered. Oh. I'm putting a python into the ground. I'm wrapping my rope around it, and I'm jumping into the gravity well. <laughs> a gnome, a halfling, and a half-orc walk into a bar. I forget the middle part, but the punchline is feathers everywhere, and that's not my peanut butter. I cast Tasha's in his laughter. <laughs> Climb aboard for Tales of the Voidfarer, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, my consequences have actions. Wait. <laughs> wait, wait, way around. wait. projectderailed.com